0: Life After Stroke is a production of the Hang On to the Dream Foundation, the 501c3 nonprofit organization that helps kids and adults reach their goals in life. If these Life After Stroke programs are helpful to you, please consider making a tax-deductible donation to the Hang On to the Dream Foundation to assist the organization in its numerous outreach activities. For more information, just go to www.hangontothedream.org. And remember, no matter how hard things seem, hang on to the dream. Hey everybody, welcome to Life After Stroke. I'm Christopher Ewing, and as you may know, Life After Stroke and TheStrokeChannel.tv is on tour with the Abilities Expo, where once a month we pop up in various cities across the country and get the chance to meet some really great people. The Abilities Expo is a nationwide trade show that showcases all kinds of really cool products and services that can help the lives of those with a disability. And during these tours, all kinds of really cool people come by the StrokeChannel.tv broadcast booth you <laughs> And on this episode of Life After Stroke, you're going to get the chance to meet some of those people. From disability attorneys with a ton of valuable information on how to battle your insurance company, to fellow stroke survivors, including one young person who had a stroke while in her mother's womb. This is a really informative episode of the show. You will for sure want to take some notes. Our first stop is the Abilities Expo in Schaumburg, Illinois, just outside of Chicago. So sit back and relax and enjoy this very special episode of life after stroke the following is a recorded program of an actual stroke support group the comments expressed are the personal opinions of the participants and not necessarily the opinions of the producers sponsors or the broadcasters of this show this program is not to be used as a way to diagnose or treat any medical condition that you may have please consult your doctor or healthcare professional before making any changes to your current medical routine
1: stroke stroke stroke
2: It comes out of the blue, sometimes without warning.
1: But those who survive it should never lose hope. A stroke can be life-changing. But it is also a new beginning. Because for all survivors,
3: there is still a beautiful life after stroke. Hey
0: everybody, welcome to Life After Stroke. I'm Christopher Ewing, and today we are broadcasting from Chicago, Illinois. Actually, we're in Schaumburg, Illinois, just outside of Chicago. And uh, we are at the Abilities Expo, and we're just kind of chatting to some people who whoever stopped by our booth here and stuff like that. And we have a visitor here. His name is Dan Oosterhaus, and uh, he is a fellow stroke survivor. Hi, Christopher. Hey, man. Good to meet you. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. So we were talking earlier before we went on the air and stuff like that, and you just got like a really cool story and background and stuff like that. So why don't you kind of tell all the listeners a little bit about what we were talking about earlier? And yeah, well, what I was you.
4: excited to find your booth at the uh, the Abilities Expo. Um, I came here with my fiance Megan, who um, is a spinal cord um, survivor, injury survivor, and she's been in a chair since she was fourteen. And mm-hmm. so we came to the expo. I live in Colorado and she lives in Minnesota and we came down here for this weekend. Um, but you're the only, uh, exhibit here, um, for folks with strokes, yeah. which I, I thought was kind of interesting. And yeah. so I stopped by and, and, and met you. Um, and yeah, and what I, what I told you was I had my stroke six years ago, I actually mm-hmm. had two, um, brainstem strokes. So wow. they were ischemic, mm-hmm. um, so caused by a clot, um, from a tear in, in my vertebral artery, the right mm. vertebral artery and, uh. You know, did some paralysis on my right side first, and then the big one was on my left side. That's so, amazing.
0: Yeah. Now, did they say why it tore? The so artery?
4: my when when they did the the CAT scans and and you know angiograms, they they could see that my right artery, the right vertebral artery, was much uh, too small, mm-hmm. and it just probably born that way. And um, I think after forty you know forty two years of being very active, and uh, it just tore. So wow. they didn't really. They didn't really have anything other than that. And yeah. so now it's occluded, so it's blocked off. I see. So it doesn't that artery doesn't push mm-hmm. any more blood anymore to my brain. So mm-hmm. I guess that's a good thing it's not gonna clot anymore. Yeah, sure, sure. But sure. my sure. left one's gotta hold up.
0: Yeah, right, right. Well, you know, we've had a lot of stroke survivors that we've talked to both on the show and at our at our support group and stuff who have had the same kind of occlusion to mm-hmm. their artery and they're Clocking around just fine, yeah. so you know. Actually, we just talked about we had a doctor on our show a couple of uh, episodes ago that talked about occluded arteries and stuff like that. You can probably find it in the search results of Life After Stroke, and you'll see where it was discussed in that episode. And um, was, I had never heard of anything like that, but it was really educational. Yeah. And like the doctor said, yeah, you know, people go through their whole life, right, you know, right, just as fine, yeah, just fine.
4: So. Yeah, and I, I guess that's why we have we have two of them. Yeah, so you right, have, exactly. You have two arteries that carry the, the blood up there from the back of your your Brain, so um, yeah. yeah, very fortunate.
0: Yeah, that's great, man. And um, talk a little bit about the whole sports thing. You, that's really yeah. Cool. So
4: I am, uh, I'm an athlete. Um, you know, through my whole life, I played college tennis um, at the Air Force Academy, mm-hmm. and then I became a pilot in the Air Force. Mm-hmm. So I flew airplanes um, for 20 years um, as an active duty pilot, and then I went back to coach the men's tennis team. Mm. So we're an NCAA Division One program um, at the Air Force Academy wow. in Colorado. So I'm the coach there now. Wow. And have been doing that for 10 years. How Uh, cool is that? Midway through my job, I had my stroke five years or six years ago. So um, because of the rehab I was able to do through the military and the Mm -hmm. Wounded Warriors program, um, competing in adaptive sports um, in the United States and overseas um, is why I'm I'm still here where I am today.
0: How cool is that? How cool is that? And, and you know, again, a few episodes ago, we were talking about remaining active Mm -hmm. post-stroke. And how important that is, yeah. and you know how some people are like, well, you know, like I used to ride horses, you know, and, and again, I just fell into my own thing where I say used to, you know, I mean, I obviously I've, I've done it a couple of times since my stroke, but you know, some people take that used to seriously, <laughs> like straight to that straight to heart, and they just like give up, you know. Um, but you didn't didn't stop. You're well, gonna
4: I you know, I, I had three young kids at the time, mm-hmm. and I was like I said, a you know, an active. Um, had a very active lifestyle. And I, I remember, you know, having my, my stroke and, and realizing that, yeah, things were going to be different, mm-hmm. but, um, I, I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, distraught by it. Mm-hmm. You know, I just knew that I was going to have to, to really push through it just mm-hmm. like I had done other things in my life. And I, I remember probably the second day, um, you know, after the stroke being in the ICU and mm-hmm. not having any function or feeling on the whole left side of my body. And, and they told me, you know, you're probably not going to get a lot of this back mm. and uh that was from the neurologist that mm-hmm. showed me the scans and showed me the damage and uh I d- it just didn't mean a whole lot to me at that mm-hmm. point because i didn't mm-hmm. understand what was ahead of me mm-hmm. but as soon as i could get up out of bed and and start doing things in the you know in the therapy room with mm-hmm. my pts i just absolutely ate it up wow. and i just i wanted to be doing something trying to get better every chance i could and so i just took it as a challenge
0: you know and that's interesting where like you said to yourself you might have to do things a little differently but there's a big difference between differently and stop you know differently and end you know right right Big difference
4: no it's it's you know we were just we were just talking about you know using our left neither one of us can use our left hand very well but Mm -hmm. um we We, find ways we yeah we find ways to do it Sure. and sure. We, we find ways to, to adapt and, and be creative, um, sure. to, to use the things that are, you know, made for people with, with normal abilities and we just work around it mm-hmm. and it's, it's all good.
0: Now, going back to what they told you in the hospital about how you're probably not going to get much of that back, you know, how wrong have they been?
4: I, I love to go back to the hospital and see <laughs> my therapist and, and not to, not to sure. show off, but, yeah, really, yeah. but just like, Hey, you know, Thanks for helping, you know, get me back up. Yeah. Um because they were really the ones that encouraged me. Yeah. And even though there was some some pretty grim news, you know, mm-hmm. I just I took it in stride and you know, I, what they didn't know is they didn't know who I was. There you go. You know, and mm-hmm. so that's that's what I knew. Sure. I knew that I could, you know, get through it.
0: Yeah, and on the subject of uh what you've been able to recover and things like that, um Going back to that moment when they told you, hey, you know what, this is pretty much it. This is your new normal, that whole Mm -hmm. thing. First of all, how bad was that at that time? Like what was the deficit at that time?
4: What were my deficits? Mm -hmm. Um, Hemiplegia, so complete left-sided paralysis, Mm -hmm. no (laughs) sensation and no function, Mm -hmm. no motor movement on the left half. Mm -hmm. So um, arm, leg. uh, I did have some speech deficit. Hmm. Um, But I was cognitively normal. Mm -hmm. I did not have cognitive deficits, so that was very fortunate.
0: And now from the moment that all of that was going on until you started to see even just a little glimmer of recovery, how long would you say that time frame was?
4: I was inpatient for a month Mm -hmm. um, doing uh, physical therapy, occupational therapy, and speech therapy therapy for that full month, and Mm -hmm. I saw progress from probably day two Mm -hmm. all the way until I was out of the hospital, Mm -hmm. and then I did um, outpatient therapy for months and Mm -hmm. months and months, and then I started adaptive sports Mm -hmm. within that time frame, and I never stopped seeing improvement.
0: Sure. Now, and the reason why I'm going down this path is, is this. The person was it a doctor or a PT or somebody that told you that you weren't going to get much of it back? The, the neurologist. The neurologist. So at that point, they pretty much said, "This is it. You're going to remain completely paralyzed on your left side. You're going get much of this back. Welcome to your new normal." And I've just seen you walk around this whole place, you know, <laughs> with your fiancé. You First of all, you didn't tell me you were marrying her. My goodness, you've done good, man. <laughs> Thank you very <laughs> there much. You go. She, she's awesome. I mean that in the best way. You know, nowadays, you got to be so careful when you pay a woman a compliment. You know, it's like, oh, my gosh, you know. Um, but no, she's awesome. We've been talking. Um, but my point is, is that, you know, we've talked many times on this show about how doctors, especially at the time of your stroke, when they give you this, you know, three-month window, that you know, whole neuroplasticity thing, and then at the one-year point, that you new normal. You know, best wishes, good luck to you. You sound like you're yet another one who we've had on this show, who has said, "Man, you know, I kept on forging on through, and past that three month, past that six month, and even past the year." Did you continue to see improvement beyond the one-year point?
4: I did, and I, and I still see things today that, mm. I, that I can't do.
0: And how long has it been? It's been six years. Wow. You know,
4: so, and, and uh, I get asked a lot mm-hmm. by folks, you know, how, are you better? Is it getting better? And it's, it's not necessarily that my left side, it, it, it's not necessarily that I'm getting more function out of my, my fingers or my toes. It's mm-hmm. everything else that um i'm able to adapt to is mm-hmm. getting better and so i am, i believe i'm stronger you wow. know than, than i than i've ever been and just because i can't use part of my body doesn't mean that i i can't do things sure i do, i mean there's literally nothing i i can't do than i did before right i just have it have to do it a different way
0: sure sure well and you know what if nothing else we talked briefly about this earlier you know when people will think well you know man, here I am and this is me, you know, you're getting married for gosh sakes, you know, you you (laughs) met this fabulous woman post-stroke and, you know, that's how much life can continue to go on, you know, that's so awesome. Absolutely.
4: Yeah. I mean, it's, it is, um, it's opened up so many new doors for me, um, that I would not have been available to do and. Um, I mean the people I've met along the way uh, through the Air Force mm-hmm. um, the veterans that I've met and then uh, mm-hmm. you know just just folks in the medical community have just been unbelievable because I was in a, a community of a very active and healthy people mm-hmm. before being a you know a pilot in the Air Force yeah. and it's you know there aren't a lot of uh, stroke survivors that are mm-hmm. active duty because th- they medically retired <coughs> me and so that I'm in a kind of a different community but I've mm-hmm. loved it mm-hmm.
0: so awesome um, what words of advice would you give to some of the listeners that are out there?
4: Um, I, I, I truly believe that, um, everyone can, can improve, you know, from where they, from the bottom, you mm-hmm. know, and I remember where my bottom was, was I was going into the, the CAT scan after my second stroke. And I was, I had, you know, no feeling, no, no function on the whole left side I was starting to have trouble breathing. And I was really, really nervous mm. that it was going to you know, I knew it was a brainstem stroke. Um, Mm. so I thought maybe that was it. And, Mm -hmm. um, that was my low point. But from that moment, I just looked at, at, I set goals and I set daily goals and then I set week long goals and monthly goals and eventually, you know, big, big long-term goals. Sure. And I just worked, you know, my tail off to, to meet each one of those. And and there were setbacks, you know, Mm -hmm. I had a second stroke and I, Mm. that was a pretty big setback, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, but, uh, the whole way through, I just kept, I kept looking to what I wanted to accomplish.
0: How much later was your second stroke?
4: It was three weeks after my first. Wow. So my first one, looking back now, was pretty minor, mm-hmm. and my second one was a big
0: one. Right. Were yeah. you still in the hospital at that point when you had the second No,
4: I was, I was out, and mm-hmm. uh, I was in the hospital for five days after the first one and doing outpatient therapy, mm-hmm. um, just with right side of deficits, weakness, mm-hmm. um, and sensation and function on the, on the right side wasn't there. And was getting back, Um, wasn't working yet again. Mm -hmm. But uh, I felt pretty comfortable; it was going to be something I could work through. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then my second one hit, and that one was was bad. Right. Yeah.
0: Right. Right. Wow. Well, man, I tell you, you know, you're kind of another brother from another mother, as I often say. You know, you're another brother of ours that's out here just doing awesome stuff and doing great. And I'm just, I'm just thrilled to meet you, man. I really really am.
4: Me too Christopher. And one thing that I wanted to to also say is that when I was going through my rehab, mm-hmm. one thing that that also helped me out was just doing research mm-hmm. and trying to read and find out as much as I could. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't always coming from my therapist. Mm-hmm. You know, cuz they sometimes I felt like they were learning alongside me. Mm-hmm. And that's not that too. that's not a knock mm-hmm. on them because yeah, they, sure. they 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 are there because they love to be there, but I I felt that it was it was my job to learn as much as I could mm-hmm. because it's my life, sure. it's my body. And so I did as much um, research as I could and I kn- there was nothing out there like what you're doing mm-hmm. and having an internet channel, mm-hmm. a TV channel, a radio mm-hmm. show, mm-hmm. Um, that was not out there yeah. six years ago. And yeah. so I really hope that a lot of people can, can listen to what you're doing and... and and yeah, are learning a lot yeah, I appreciate thanks, what you're doing
0: you know before I let you go you know the fact that you've remained so active and really really had it in you to kick your own self in the tail um, talk to the person who's kind of you know sitting at home feeling pissed feeling miserable like oh man this sucks and what's the point you know why bother you know all that kind of stuff yeah, you know, because um, I can creep up right, on you, you Right, know?
4: right. There were there were certainly days that I had like that, and everybody has those mm-hmm. days. But but what I got um, was just the the rush of excitement, mm-hmm. and 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 no matter if it was a small thing like just getting up and, and taking a step, or or doing something with my hand, um, writing for the first time. Um, the, the satisfaction that I got and accomplishment that it gave me Mm -hmm. was, was worth the effort. And Mm. even if it meant that I failed 10 times, trying it, getting that thing done, that one time meant a lot to me. And so even if it's the smallest thing, you can have that.
0: Sure. That little milestone and that that, feeling of that uh, accomplishment. Sure. sure. That's what I think really helps. Mm -hmm. All right, you guys. Well, there you go. You've heard it from someone other than me and (laughs) because I'm always trying to preach on that too. If you guys are sitting there kind of feeling stroked out and you're all bummed, you know, get off your tail and get out there and live life. You know, as I said a few episodes ago, you know, you're still you and the you that was you pre-stroke is still in there. You might have to do it a little differently, might end up doing it a little slower or whatever, but you can still do it, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, you with tennis, for gosh sakes, you know, that's yeah. awesome. How <laughs> I awesome? just I
4: just don't run around the court yeah. like I used to, but if the ball comes to me, I got it.
0: Absolutely. And you still know enough to teach other right. people. Absolutely. You know, that's the, that's the point, you know, that's the point. You know, the gift that you were given just to be able to teach is still in there. Right. I, I still love that. Absolutely. Man, it's so good to meet you. Thank you, Christopher. It's so good to meet you. Hang tight, everybody. We'll be right back. Life After Stroke is brought to you by Audible. With over 180,000 audiobook titles from new releases to bestsellers, you can listen to Audible on your computer, iPhone, Android, or Kindle, whenever and wherever you want. Plus, just for being a listener of Life After Stroke, our friends at Audible are giving you a free audiobook of your choice and a 30-day free trial of their service to get your free audiobook. Just go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash Life After Stroke. That's audibletrial.com forward slash Life After Stroke. Hey everybody, you're listening to Life After Stroke. I'm Christopher Ewing. And today we are broadcasting from the Abilities Expo in Schaumburg, Illinois. And this is just a really, really great uh, expo. I mean, there's just tons of booths of all kinds of really cool businesses and organizations, and um, with us right now is a young woman who knows stroke as well as the rest of us stroke survivors do because she is a stroke survivor herself. Her name is Christine Huggins, and she started a really cool organization called Aphasia Life. Um, Christine, say hi to everyone and tell everyone a little bit about Aphasia Life.
5: Hi. I hope you're having a great day. Uh, I had a stroke eight years ago, uh, April 9th, 2011 and um, I couldn't talk I couldn't understand what people are talking about no. I could I didn't understand writing or I couldn't write um, and aphasia is a communication disability and I think um, I kind of I want to help stroke survivors with having a communication disability aphasia to um, educate for your recovery and help to re- reframe your life.
0: Yeah. So, Christina, I have to ask you. So, right after you had your stroke, um, and did you have a hemorrhagic stroke or an ischemic stroke? Do you remember?
5: I had a blot. Sorry. A clot, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I think clot. your mom
0: took you Because I met your mom and your aunt yesterday. Yeah. Um, so, right after you had your stroke you lost all ability to be able to really recognize print and stuff like that.
5: Right. And I couldn't, um, I couldn't, I thought I was talking probably one or two days in the, um, recovery wing for Cleveland clinic Mm -hmm. and, um, they didn't really help me. I I Mm -hmm. don't want to have a, a glass of water. And, um, I think they didn't, I couldn't say the word. I mm. want to have a glass of water. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so, what did words look like to you when you saw them? Did you could you even recognize the word "the" or "dog" or anything like that? Or
5: yeah, I think you could understand some words, but it was too much for um, a page of print. Mm. Um, and so it
0: just looked like words on a page.
5: Right, and I think uh, it was really um, startling and really uh, sad because I love reading mm. when I was a young child, and mm-hmm. then I, um, I, I. My goal was being a lawyer mm-hmm. um, in that time and uh, I couldn't read and it was a really important job. Sure,
0: sure. Well, and talking about age, I mean, you're young now, you know, how old are you?
5: I'm 34, but I had my stroke when I was 26.
0: Exactly. And, and so I can't even imagine. So how long from the time that you had your stroke and you realized that you had aphasia and it was difficult to read and things, things like that. How long did it take for all of that to start to come back online again?
5: Um, I think probably I was interested learning things before my stroke. And um, I was so happy I learned to speak another language mm-hmm. because many times it's not perfect. It's mm. really messy and you have so many um, errors. But um, I think I was really lucky for my... my um, my mom, she she was a s- second grade teacher, mm-hmm. and we did uh, kind of basic grammar activities. Sure. And, um, I remember we timed uh, one minute, and I could do two words. Wow. Versus like a normal person, probably one hundred plus.
0: Sure. Sure. And so, when did you start to realize that you things were starting to get better? Did it take like six months, a year, a couple years?
5: Probably three years. I was really? more feeling comfortable for talking with uh, basic um, uh, everyday kind of uh, conversations. Yeah, because I
0: guess conversation was you like you said you weren't even speaking, huh? Mm-hmm, yeah. Amazing, but so you would understand what was being said to you, though. Right. So you could hear, you could understand. Uh, how what did it feel like? I mean, did you feel like okay, I want to talk but I can't talk or
5: Well I, I still didn't understand people are talking about. I see. Um it's it's kinda a void for um learning new information or it's really um isolating for your family, friends, or um trying to have a conversation for a doctor. Um mm it's a a long recovery and it's uh it's really hard for using mm-hmm. uh it's really hard for using uh words i think many times i'm trying to help more um ability for people having images or videos or different mediums for Information for people mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, for uh, having the same idea or the same keywords but mm-hmm. many faucets for people understanding it more broadly.
0: Right, right. As you started to progress, tell me about how aphasia life got started.
5: I think I'm so... I'm so happy. I met other people having a stroke with aphasia um, and I'm trying to meet other young stroke w- with um, how to cope and how to reframe our lives and how to enjoy life again um, and I think probably my I started a nonprofit for helping other people and mm-hmm. we're trying to provide social education educational and economic opportunities for individuals who have disabilities after stroke Resulting with aphasia mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, I think It's so wonderful For talking with you And I hope other people Stroke survivors with aphasia Could find us for our, our website Yeah,
0: yeah, that is so awesome Tell everyone your website, how do they find you?
5: Um, aphasia Is uh, is a great A great Greek word A P H A S I A Life dot org.
0: Absolutely. AphasiaLife dot org. And we'll have a link to it on the stroke channel dot T V website so that you guys can get involved. And it's based in Ohio. Yep. And people can sign up and get involved and kind of see what you got going on and things like that. I think that is just awesome, Christine. So awesome. Thank you. And your recovery is great. I mean, really, really great. Was um was speech the only thing that was affected by your stroke, or was there any kind of paralysis or anything?
5: Um, I, I am not paralyzed. I'm really lucky because I have the window for zero through four hours for PTA. Mm-hmm. But um, I have, I have chronic pain. Mm. And um, Welcome to my
0: club too. Same here, girlfriend. Absolutely, it's terrible.
5: I have pain, and then I still have a. Uh, Weakness, and I have um, Botox mm-hmm. um, for my lower back and my leg. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
5: But uh, I I think it's really uh, empowering for other people how to cope and how to um, being empowered for doing things you want to do. Maybe mm-hmm. it's slower or maybe it's more difficult, but um, it's really important for being you the same person you are before right. and then
0: after right right well i just think what you're doing is great and uh for everybody listening we're actually trying to recruit christine <laughs> into uh being a part of our young stroke survivors uh organization and and uh because it's you know it's doesn't just hit old people as you know as you and i both know it hits us young folks too and it's uh it's crazy. You know, we got to get the word out and stuff like that. And I just think what Christine is doing and the fact that she's, uh, you know, been very involved in her own organization and stuff like that, um, you know, we want to help her get the word out. And, uh, you know, I think she'd be a great person to kind of uh, be at the helm of some of the stuff that we've got going on, too. So I think we're going to be hearing a lot from Christine in the future. And uh, definitely for everybody listening, again, go to her website. Her website is aphasialife.org. And uh, you'll see all kinds of information there. So good to meet you, Christine.
5: Thank you so much. Just so, so uh, wonderful seeing you in person. Thank you so much for your work and your, in, your um, envision for helping other people in our, our times. Thank you.
0: Well, thank you, sweetie. And everybody listening, sit tight. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Christopher Ewing, and if you live in the San Mateo area, don't miss the 2019 Abilities Expo, October 25th through the 27th in San Mateo, California. The Abilities Expo is a nationwide trade show dedicated to highlighting products geared to those who may have a physical disability or motor function impairment. Abilities Expo brings exhibitors from around the world all under one roof, allowing visitors to see up close some of the wonderful products that are out there that can help make life easier. Admission to the Abilities Expo is free, and the Life After Stroke radio show will be broadcasting throughout the entire weekend from the StrokeChannel.tv booth, so be sure to stop by and say hi. I'd love to meet you guys. And if you live outside of the San Mateo area, the Abilities Expo is held all across the country. So chances are it'll be coming to a city near you. So just go to www.abilities.com for upcoming expo dates and for more information. And I look forward to meeting you at the upcoming Abilities Expo, October 25th through the 27th in San Mateo, California. Hey everybody this is Christopher Ewing and you're listening to life after stroke we are broadcasting from the Abilities Expo in Schaumburg Illinois and with us right now is Ashley Jacobson and she is an attorney who is really kind of focused her law practice on people with disabilities and stuff like that tell everyone a little bit about that
6: sure so I initially got into the disability advocacy role my sister sustained a severe traumatic brain injury when she was 16 And that really opened my world up to the rehabilitation process. I wound up becoming a special educator, and then I got my master's degree in rehabilitation counseling. Mm. And it was really in, you know, working as a counselor. I had a lot of clients who had disabilities that affected their legal issues. Mm. Um, Besides, obviously... In what way? Sure. so, so, So besides the obvious of social security disability which is a tumultuous Mm -hmm. process for Mm -hmm. everybody Mm -hmm. Um, but I had one client in particular that really inspired me to go to law school and I obviously can maintain confidentiality but Mm -hmm. ultimately she called police for help after she was um, mugged
0: Mm.
6: and when the police arrived they didn't assess her disability at all properly. They ...wound up arresting her um, because they thought her communication disorder indicated.
0: She was drunk or intoxicated somehow. Oh, jeez.
6: And so that was frustrating because I found out about the situation after she had already taken a deal.
0: Oh, no. So
6: this was a woman who had a family, supported her family, worked full time with a disability.
0: Wow. And
6: now has something on her record.
0: For no reason. For no
6: reason. She
0: was the victim. She was. Oh, come on. Oh my her. <laughs> I get emotional just thinking I about it. I can understand. Um, sure.
6: You know, and I, from there, mm. the next day, signed up to take the LSAT and three months later, started law school.
0: Thank you on her behalf, first of all. Yeah, thank you. think of you. all the people that you're going to help as a result of that and that's, unbelievable yeah it was
6: um it was frustrating and i saw police really not understanding things like guardianship issues and you know questioning somebody who has a legal guardian without their guardian present Mm -hmm. you know when you have a disability that's no different than questioning a child without a parent yes um and i saw that happening so um after i went through that with my client i wound up reaching out to the ingham county prosecutor's office Mm -hmm. um, where the event occurred. And from there, I started doing trainings with prosecuting attorneys, police departments on how to better assess a situation to determine if it involves a person with a disability and how to de-escalate it in an effective and nonviolent manner. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I did that throughout law school. And, um, you know, as a lawyer, I'm just committed to being a active participant in the disability community mm-hmm. um, and, you know, serving the community in any way that I can. And I feel like my experience living with autoimmune disease has also taught me to be really empathetic mm-hmm. with a lot of the challenges. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I just, I'm, I'm really excited about what the future holds in disability law.
0: Sure, sure. What are some of the major obstacles that you see as a lawyer when it comes to, you um, not just stroke survivors but anybody with a disability and some of the red tape and the hoops of fire that they have to jump through
6: yes it's really challenging the way the disability specifically the Social Security disability system is built Mm -hmm. many people go into it assuming that it is similar to a typical court process where you have a judge and a jury and in fact it's quite different administrative law judges have a lot of discretion um, they also have you know, more leeway with things like entering evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and the denial rate for Social Security disability is just astounding. I mean, mm-hmm. barely anybody gets approved initially. Hmm. So it's a long process. And because people don't get approved initially, there's a lot of backlog. So that means people are waiting sometimes two years. Oh, my goodness. Without any benefits.
0: Oh, who can... Be?
6: It's not life sustaining sure. to do that
0: because what happens during those two years? I mean, they
6: people have gone. Life homeless. is going. Yeah,
0: sure. I was going to say, life is going on. Right. Unbelievable. So
6: that's definitely the biggest barrier is how the system is built now.
0: And do you um, also ever run into things about like medical directives and things like that?
6: Yes. So that's also challenging because first and foremost, people with disabilities are not included enough Mm -hmm. in that discussion about their own medical directives and medical decisions and legal decisions Mm. the vast majority of people with disabilities are capable of making decisions like that Mm -hmm. on their own but they're not trained to know how to do that and even their well-meaning family members um you know they don't understand that they can be more active in that process
0: Mm -hmm. you know we have a listener um down I think he's either in the Virginia area if I remember correctly he's probably listening and and I hope I get this right Um, he lives in Virginia Uh, his wife is in Florida Mm -hmm. and um, she uh, has had a series of strokes and TIAs and things like that and she's in a nursing home I believe she's on a feeding tube and things like that but um, he's wanting to move her to Mm -hmm. another facility and needed access to her medical records. Right. But they said, oh, well, because of HIPAA, we can't do that. However, he has the the medical directive to pull her feeding tube and end her life. Right. So it's kind of like, well, wait a second. You know, if he has the ability to do that, why can't he get mm-hmm. this other information that's so important? Because he's just trying to make her life easier and more comfortable by finding a different location. Sure. Um, what does somebody do in that kind of situation? Because that sounds so crazy to me that if if he has the power to... You know, basically, end her life, he should be able to have the power to at least know the life that she has and the life that she's living.
6: Right. And so, without, um, you know, knowing more about the situation, Mm. what I could say is that medical directives and power of attorney are also really confusing because it doesn't give that person typically the right to make medical decisions while that individual, um, you know, is still functioning and conscious and capable of Mm -hmm. making some decision but the biggest problem I see with situations like that is that you know assisted living facilities nursing Mm. facilities they don't tell people about their rights they don't talk to family members Mm. about what their options are why is that I honestly think that it's because they are kind of stuck in the mechanics of going through the motions day to day. Unfortunately, a lot of people that work in those facilities are wonderful individuals who are really passionate about serving
1: mm-hmm.
6: the, the individuals they serve. But they're very focused on the day-to-day tasks Mm. and not as much of the big picture and it's different right when it's somebody when it's yourself with a disability or when it's a family member you're
0: a little more attentive
6: you're more attentive and you have a better understanding about what that person would want Mm. for their life so in that situation really the best bet would likely be to petition the court for some type of either advanced guardianship or conservatorship something so that you're able to be more involved in making those decisions especially if you know your spouse or family member is unable to communicate their mm-hmm, needs
0: mm-hmm. interesting wow this is so deep what should a stroke survivor do in terms of their own medical directives if they don't have something in place or like a will or anything like mm-hmm. that I mean
6: I'm so glad that you you asked about that because um, I've done a lot of estate planning medical directives things mm-hmm. like that for people with disabilities and you know, frankly, it's very individualized. You can make it as detailed as you want or as vague as you want. For stroke survivors specifically, um, you want to make sure that you're very clear about your desires and about things like even palliative care, pain management, Mm. you know, at, at the end of your life. I mean, most people want to be comfortable, but if that's not Indicated, then you might not receive that. Mm -hmm. The other thing I would discuss, which is sometimes um, I'm kind of shocked it's not brought up more, um, which is why I firmly believe that people with disabilities should go to a disability lawyer or any lawyer that has a background in disability, Mm. um, because a typical lawyer might not talk to especially stroke survivors about something like feeding tubes. Mm. um, And, you know, there's a lot of people that kind of are traumatized and re-traumatized by medical decisions that aren't necessary or that they wouldn't want, but they haven't communicated in a medical directive that they wouldn't want it. And, and it can be really scary and, you know, painful to get something like a feeding tube. And um, so, so I would say for stroke survivors and people with disabilities in general, be as specific as you can on the things that are really important to you and be as vague as you can in putting power in the people that you really trust Mm -hmm. to make your medical decisions. So if there's something like, I don't want to be on life support for more than 30 days, Mm -hmm. and you're certain about that specific, put that in there. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, if you're not sure about it, you want to use more vague language so that you're putting power and flexibility in that family member or that person that you really trust.
0: Hmm. Interesting. You know, Ashley, you brought up a really, really great point just about there even being a necessity for a disability attorney or disability, mm-hmm. a-, a lawyer. How important is it, especially for a stroke survivor to have a disability attorney as opposed to just an attorney, you know?
6: Right. And and this is the biggest frustration that I dealt with as a rehabilitation counselor before I went to law school is I wanted to refer my clients who not just needed social security disability help but also needed like criminal defense Mm. and estate planning and these lawyers that i was trying to find for them they had no background or training in disability Mm. issues so with somebody like somebody recovering from stroke um you know there are language differences Mm. and a lawyer who has no training in disability or in stroke and brain injury specifically they're not going to understand that you know, maybe you communicate in a different tone or mm-hmm. in a different volume or mm-hmm. in a different type of speech, or you use an assistive technology tool, but they don't know that. And so when you come into their office, they don't ask you the right questions or they take your answers and they don't dive deeper into why sure. what you mean. Sure. And so I, I saw a lot of, you know, lawyers that they said, oh, yeah, I can definitely do that. I can help that person mm. out. And then, you know, the client would go to them and say, I need help with a housing issue. Mm-hmm. You know, there, mm-hmm. I had clients that were on Section 8 housing and they were having issues even going through normal like government processes. Wow, this
0: is so deep, Ashley.
6: Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's something that I'm really passionate about because I saw that there was a void mm-hmm. in that area. And I I don't want to be the only lawyer that is this passionate about disability.
0: Well, you know, and this is what I'm really hearing you say is that, you know, when you think about a disability lawyer, you immediately think, okay, well, if I'm a stroke survivor, I'm going to need a disability lawyer to fight my insurance company Mm -hmm. or, you know, Social Security or something like that. But think about this. You might need it in purchasing a home.
6: Absolutely. Or
0: in any kind of thing, you know, just really anything because... As you just mentioned, there's going to be certain, not necessarily limitations, but there's going to maybe need to be some modifications to the wording of something, yes. um, the permits, the, the legality, I mean, just anything.
6: Well, and you know what's really scary about that situation with my client who got arrested after mm. she called the police for help was there was not one chance that she understood her Miranda rights. Wow. And so the unfortunate thing that I will advocate for until the day I die Mm -hmm. is that we need to make sure that our legal system and our justice system and the people who serve our communities are more inclusive towards people with disabilities because Mm. right now they don't have to, they can just say you've a right to remain silent and blah, blah, Mm blah. But then, them. They don't care if the person really gets it. I understood it. it or not. And, and I know wow. she didn't. And so it could be something like you said, like buying a home. Mm-hmm. Or it could be something like uh, I had a client who needed to get a personal protective order against an ex-spouse who mm-hmm. was really violent. And going into the PPO office, they didn't understand what she was trying to say because mm-hmm. they asked her certain questions and with her limited vocabulary, right. she couldn't answer them. So the PPO got denied and she wound up getting hurt.
0: Oh my goodness. So they're
6: just, it could be devastating financially, sure. physically, emotionally.
0: Because now in, in that case, like say the PPO, that would be denied. Oh, no, you'll be okay. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you've got a disability or you've got some limited ability cognitively or whatever, well, then that might be a reason to let it get through and get it pushed through. Right. And unless you've got somebody advocating for you and kind of pushing for you from an attorney standpoint,
6: mm-hmm.
0: the average attorney might not be able to fight for you the right way
6: no and even with like victims of crime Mm -hmm. you know i it's delicate discussing victims with disabilities Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. something that i've provided many trainings on Mm -hmm. i never want to put this false notion out there like people with disabilities are always vulnerable because (laughs) the vast majority are not they're very strong intelligent capable individuals but unfortunately statistically in this country people with disabilities have a higher incidence of being victims of violent and economic crimes Mm. so things like especially during tax season scammers Mm -hmm. calling them and draining their bank accounts because they think oh i need to give the government who called me Mm -hmm. my bank account information so they can pay me for my taxes when it was really just a scam yeah or you know like when a victim reports a crime which they are much less likely to do because people with disabilities historically have been less believed Mm -hmm. in our justice system and um, But let's say this person overcomes this horrible thing, decides, you know what, I, I'm not going to stand for this. I'm going to report it to the police. And the police ask, you know, boilerplate questions in language that the person doesn't understand. Mm-hmm. And then based on the limited information they get, they assume there's no more information and they don't prosecute. Mm. When it's really like, no, you just need to ask the right sure, questions exactly. and provide the right tools and assistive technology for them to be able to respond.
0: Ashley, you're amazing. I have to say, you you know, I'm so glad to have met you here today and to be able to have you, you know, really share with all the listeners this excellent information. Uh, Now, obviously, you're from Michigan, so you can only practice in the state of Michigan and stuff like that. I can. Um, But if people want to give you a call or email you or something, you know, because people are listening to you right now from all over the world who may have just a million questions that are probably screaming like, ask her this, ask her that. So, I mean, there's so many questions that, you know, I could even sit and ask you right now. Um, If they wanted to get in touch with you and just get some kind of, I don't know, consulting advice. I don't know how it all works, but, you know, how could they do that? How do they get in touch with you?
6: Right. So my, first of all, I want to thank you for allowing me to do this. I, I greatly respect what you're doing and I'm so appreciative of this opportunity. My pleasure. Um, People can, I can provide disability consulting services okay. through my master's degree in CRC mm-hmm. nationwide. Okay. That's flexible. Okay. I can provide legal services in Michigan. But with that being said, I would be happy to vet attorneys for people elsewhere okay. and research to find an attorney that really thoroughly understands yes. disability. Um, so you can find me. I have a website, Legally Abled. It's L-E-G-A-L-L-Y-A-B-L-E-D dot And that name stems from people with disabilities should be empowered to make the best decisions and navigate this life in the most independent, least restrictive way. And I I am really sick of hearing people with disabilities labeled as, you know, I'm legally disabled. Mm. Even if you qualify for disability benefits, you are able to do so much. And so I hope that my website is able to provide more information to help people live their more empowered, happiest, healthiest, most fulfilled lives with disability. Um, and they can also find me. My email address is legallyabled at gmail.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram, Ashley B. Jacobson. So you, you can find me anywhere, but my phone number and stuff is on my website. Gotcha. And my website is screen reader accessible, it's all disability accessible. So,
0: you guys. I mean, you know, for everybody listening who have listened for a long time, we've had some great guests on this show who specialize in all different kinds of things. Ashley, you are by far one of the best interviews that we've had on here. I'm so glad. I mean, just, and that's not to discredit all the other interviews that we've done on the show, but in terms of the help that you could provide to all of our listeners, because this is an area that is important it's mm-hmm. huge it gets tricky and sticky and one wrong move and everything else and it's like ugh, you know wow i thank just you applaud so you so much for what you do i just cannot so even begin i and my listeners know i'll go on and on man you are awesome ashley thank you thank so much Thank you so
6: much you are you are incredible no, and you are no, such a service so. and and i'm not just saying I get, that because, no I,
0: I appreciate you know it. That's okay. I,
6: again with my sister going through the mm. brain injury rehab process i am so grateful that there's there are people like you that are sharing this kind of information the Information sure and just, just talking to, about yeah, these things i get it you know it's I get important
0: it. Thank you. Um, we're going to have a link on the Stroke TV website um, and also on the Stroke Channel TV app so that you guys can at least be able to access Ashley and connect with her and get some information. Um, it, you know, The link will be there for her website and all that other kind of stuff. So, Ashley, thank you so much for coming on the show.
6: Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.
0: Um, everybody sit tight and we'll be right back. Hey everybody, this is Christopher Ewing from Life After Stroke, and there is something new we're launching that we are very excited about. We are launching the Life After Stroke Online Support Group. This is a weekly support group that is held online for those who don't have access to a support group in their area, or who are unable to attend a support group because of physical limitations. The group meets each week online at www.thestrokechannel.tv or on the strokechannel.tv app. And is open to stroke survivors as well as caregivers. For more information and to sign up to be a part of this really cool online support group, just go to www.thestrokechannel.tv. That's thestrokechannel.tv, And I'll see you soon during the Life After Stroke online support group. Hey everybody, welcome back to Life After Stroke, I'm Christopher Ewing, and today we are broadcasting from the Abilities Expo in Schaumburg, Illinois, and there is just a ton of just really awesome people walking around, and one of the ladies who came up to our booth here is an OT, her name is Michelle. Michelle, um... First of all, thank you. I mean, we got into a conversation here and she was talking to me about how I can stretch my wrist out and things like that. And she was just so insightful that I was like, "Okay, I don't know if you're Mike shy or not, but you got to get on here and tell my people how to help us get this just some movement back into our limbs and things like that, because you are a wealth of knowledge. Um, How long have you been an OT and all that kind of stuff?
3: Um, I became an OT in 1996.
0: So, you didn't even look, that old girl. Thank you.
3: You go on now. Would <laughs> you start when you were four? My yeah, goodness, okay. something
0: like that. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's awesome. What made you want to be an OT?
3: Um, I was volunteering in the hospital because I thought I wanted to be a nurse at first, mm-hmm. and then I had an opportunity to witness OT, and I just saw the look on the faces of the patients mm. after they had OT, and while they were doing OT, and it looked like they just changed majorly mm. from depressed to just excited to be there in the hospital. And to get better.
0: Mm, all because of you. See what you're doing? There? That's what I'm saying. So now, one of the reasons why I wanted uh, Michelle to come on is uh, we were talking about, uh, you know, how to keep some range of motion and things like that. And she was showing me about how I can uh, stretch my wrist. And then I'd mentioned to her about pain, about, you know, how I have, like, central post-stroke pain and things like that. And where that pain kind of comes from and why are things painful after a stroke. And explain it, how you explain it to me. Um about the nerves and stuff like that
3: um after a stroke you um, can um, have a lot of pain you can have um, tingling you can have a lot of different sensations that aren't normal for you and your body is telling you that it's not okay um so movement is not okay um positions are not okay so that's what the stroke does to your brain it tells your body that it's not okay to move it's not okay to be straight or it's not okay to have a little curve in your fingers it, it does different things
0: so that pain and all of that is a re, is a reaction well first of all it's a result of the stroke but it's kind of like a, a protective type of thing yes
3: it's definitely a protective. Um, instrument from the brain and the um, nervous system that's telling Mm -hmm. your body that it's not okay.
0: So it's not safe to, you know, so I need to protect you. So therefore we're going to be tight. We're going to be restricted. We're just going to sit here and just,
3: yeah. So that's why um, the tightness comes. You have inflammation Mm -hmm. um, and it it slows down everything. Mm -hmm. So everything that you were able to do before, it just slows down the process.
0: And the thing that was really insightful was that um she was saying how if you put uh, you put pressure and weight bearing on things that will actually counteract that and the reason that is is because that's now telling the brain it's okay to do this
3: yeah it's um the body is telling the body that it's okay it's okay to move it's okay to um, put weight into my joints mm-hmm. so it's sending a message um, wherever you're weight bearing it's sending a message to the nerve endings and telling Telling it giving it signals, mm-hmm. telling it that it's okay, okay, this is new, this is this is alive, it's working. Mm-hmm. Um, telling it that it's okay to move.
0: So if you've got some tingling, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, if you've got some tingling like in your hand or your wrist or your elbow, put weight on it and really keep putting weight on it, and pretty soon that sends a message up to your brain and your well it immediately sends a message up to your brain, but pretty soon your brain will understand like, oh, okay, this must be an okay thing to do so i'll stop being painful
3: yeah but you do have to be careful because if you are having um tingling um it may be an indication that there's um something going on with Mm -hmm. the nerves as far as may have a pinched nerve um it might not just be your brain it might be um actually in the shoulder or in the joint that you have a pinched nerve or something like that so you want to start off with um if you can get to a countertop, stand if you're standing or if you're seated seated at a table, mm-hmm. putting your hand on the table and slowly um, adding, pa- um, pressure. slowly yeah. adding pressure, mm-hmm. and then slowly trying to open up your fingers and get put weight into your fingers as well.
0: Mm-hmm. And then, how long do you maintain pressure on that for?
3: You, you want to just start off in slow increments. So I would say five minutes is a lot. Okay. Um, if, if you're a higher level and the stroke didn't affect you a, a lot, then five minutes is okay. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I would start off maybe just a minute or so. Okay. Yeah.
0: And can you do that a few times a day? Or? Sure.
3: You can do okay. it throughout the day okay. um, as much as you can tolerate. Gotcha. Um,
0: well, something you said earlier, which I thought was really great ab- about doing it in water.
3: Yeah, you can do it in warm water, because, mm-hmm. uh, or if you take a shower, you can do it in the shower. Mm-hmm. Those are the best um, ways to start getting movement mm-hmm. um, and to release the, the um, tightness, the mm-hmm. spasticity. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a great way to do it because um, it's in a relaxed environment. Mm-hmm. You're so fully supported if you're seated or you're holding on to, you got a grab bar or something like that. Mm-hmm. As long as you're fully supported, you can relax those muscles and the heat from the water mm-hmm. will actually... Um, start to release some of the tension from the muscles. Isn't
0: that something? Okay, mm-hmm. isn't that neat? Are warm packs any good? Like if you, because you know, like, like, like here at the expo, I saw that somebody had some some heat packs or something like that, and it, you know, it might be good for other things. But could that work in a stroke? Situation?
3: I would uh, really recommend it because if you're having problems with your sensation, you mm-hmm. can get burned because you don't, don't know you yeah. don't know how um, hot is really getting, mm-hmm, that's or true. you may um, be numb and not be feeling any um, change in the temperature at all. Good so point. it's kind of hard to monitor. Yes. Yeah,
0: so in a shower, that's good because you can regulate that yes, through the water temperature. Yes, you can regulate with your other hand. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Um, another uh, good idea, though, um, some you can put rice or. Um, Have a bean bag or just rice and Mm -hmm. put it like in a pillowcase or something like that. Mm -hmm. Or a cloth and you just sew it up. Put it Mm -hmm. in a microwave for a few minutes and you can use that.
0: Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And put it on like a pack, like a heat pack or something? You can put it on like a
3: heating pack. You can put it on your Uh hand to kind of help weight bear Mm -hmm. to stretch out your fingers. Hmm. Yeah.
0: Isn't that something? Okay
3: it's more like a mini massage. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. And so you don't wet it or anything. You just no, you just like dry the, rice, just dry, raw rice. Yeah. And put it in a pillowcase or something. Yeah, something that's cloth. Okay. Yeah. Put it in the microwave for
3: maybe a couple of minutes two three minutes just till it's warm yeah to get it warmed up and okay. then um test it mm-hmm. with your hand to make sure it's not too warm mm-hmm. and then you can put it on your hand and try it out
0: wow yeah. really interesting yeah and so now michelle are you in a private practice or do you work for a hospital or how do you I used
3: to work in the hospital mm-hmm. um now i'm in the school system okay so i work with children with disabilities wow yeah so awesome yeah
0: Wow. Well, Michelle, you know, and everybody listening, people who've listened to my show know that I, I go down this road and I'm going to go down this road with you. Thank you. You know, because you as a therapist could have chosen any job to do and you chose to help people. And, you know, I've said this so many times that people that listen to my show know that I said this many times to the therapists and doctors about how they could have chosen any job, but they chose to help people. And and unless, you know, you're in our shoes and really can understand how appreciative we are. You know, you in the midst of being your most selfless, you helped us when we are our most helpless. And that makes such a big difference. And uh, as many times as I've said that, something that you said earlier in this show really hit that home because you saw it in a patient that you worked with. You you, you were working with a person, you saw just what a difference your help made to them. Don't underestimate that, Michelle, because that is such, until you have... You know, lost movement in a limb or something like that, which is so mind blowing, first of all, because I remember being in intensive care and they said, okay, Christopher, just understand you didn't break a bone. Everything's still in there. You just kind of have to re educate your brain to be able to figure out where it is and how to make it move. And when you look at a limb that doesn't move, you're, you know, it's like, okay, this isn't broken. Like everything is still here. The skin's not even broken, nothing's broken. Just my brain is a little broken because of what happened there, and it really is just a matter of making it get re-educated, but we need people like you to help us do that. you know We can't do it on our own. And, and any successes certainly that I've had or any of my listeners have had in any of our mobility, anything that we've regained. We've regained it because of people like you. And it is a big deal. And we just really thank you so, so much, Michelle, for what you do. My
3: pleasure. It's a blessing to be able to help other people.
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, you've been, you are a blessing and um, the Lord has blessed you. That's another show. I'm going to save that from my (laughs) my, my religious folk. We won't have church on here, but uh, thank you. You've been very, very gifted and very blessed. And I thank you for what you do. Thank you. All right. Everybody sit tight and uh, we'll be right back. Okay, so now, as you can tell, we're not going to a commercial just yet because this is what I always say too. As a producer, I gotta keep the thing rolling all the time, and I and and it's funny, Michelle, because sometimes I'll have people like during a commercial break they'll start talking, and I'll be like, No, 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 don't talk. I'm not rolling yet. No, 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 you know, because I'll have like you know stroke survivors and doctors in the same room, and they'll like have a million questions. I'm like, Wait a minute, you gotta ask that on the air, not because I'm trying to get you on the air, but because the question that you're asking is probably relevant to thousands of other people so let's put it on the air so just now you know as i said we were going to a commercial break and then michelle she and i were just talking and she said you know one thing that you can share with your listeners and say it again because now you're going to share it
3: okay one thing that you really need to um know is that you don't have a good side and a bad side your whole body is good and you just have an affected side
0: Okay, now she don't take us to school because now I I have started to say that like William, my good arm, my good hand, my good leg, you know, and that's true. You know, it, we got to remember that. You know, we don't have a good side and a bad side. We have an affected side and unaffected side. All sides are good. All right. See, so we're gonna have you on the show more often. You say you're in Indiana. Yeah. Yeah. See, we can Skype you in. We can put you on the phone. All right. All right. We're gonna talk. Okay. Now we're gonna go commercial break and we'll be back unless michelle's got some more wisdom i'll put it back up no. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> all right, y'all i'll be back in a minute when we come back by the magic of radio we'll be chatting with some of the exhibitors and visitors at the abilities expo in houston texas Life After Stroke is part of the iHeartRadio podcast network. Search and follow Life After Stroke on iHeartRadio or subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts so that you never miss an episode. Also, be sure to download the new StrokeChannel.tv app, available free from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. Plus, the Stroke Channel is now on television on Roku. Roku is a television platform seen in over 40 million households around the world. So for news, information, exercises, entertainment, and more, all centered on stroke, be sure to tune in to the Stroke Channel, now on Roku. You're listening to Life After Stroke. I'm Christopher Ewing, and now through the magic of radio, we meet some of the really cool exhibitors and visitors at the Abilities Expo in Houston, Texas. Hi everyone, welcome to Life After Stroke. I'm Christopher Ewing. Today we're broadcasting from the Abilities Expo in Houston, Texas. And uh, as you guys know, we're kind of on tour with them. Uh, We go all across the United States to all of the various uh, locations that they have their expos and meet really great people. And uh, with us right now is actually one of the uh, exhibitors here at the expo. Uh, This is Brittany McDonald. She is an attorney with Mark Whitehead and Associates uh, here in Houston. And uh, first of all, nice to meet you.
7: Nice to meet you. Thank you, Christopher.
0: Absolutely. And, um, you know, Brittany knows why she's here, and that is because a lot of you have expressed needing information um, about all kinds of legal aspects when it comes to, you know, maybe your, your OT or your PT ran out, your insurance company's giving you a hassle. Maybe you're at a, like an assisted living kind of place and, you know, you're kind of fighting for all kinds of uh, benefits and things like that. I know we've had a number of people uh, write in or, you know, call us and stuff like that, wanting us to, you know, speak to someone like Brittany to, you know, maybe help uh, kind of circumnavigate some of the red tape and all the bureaucracy that may come up. Um, with people that, um, you know, are, are faced with these kind of challenges. Um, Brittany, kind of give us a little bit of an overview in terms of what you guys do and things like that.
7: So what we do at our firm with uh, Mark Whitehead and Associates is we help people who have benefit claims that are going to be governed by various entities. So veterans have the VA, veteran Benefit Claims, for health care and um benefits or compensable benefits uh social security disability claims supplemental security income claims those are for title and title 16 recipients who have disabilities and are claiming that they cannot work Mm. um the the benefits that they get help they act as a kind of income replacement or an income supplement um additionally we do what some more of you guys might be interested in a disability policies or or health benefit claims Mm -hmm. where which you know I was talking to you about Christopher where um, people have uh, health policies or benefit claims uh, Benefit policies with their employers or maybe they purchased it privately Mm -hmm. and the insurance company is supposed to pay these things They've been paying for years premiums Mm -hmm. You know paying for these benefits and these things to happen and and the the carrier the insurance company denies them or limits them to what they're able to receive
0: you know, how does that even happen? I mean, here's someone maybe who's paid into their insurance for 10, 15, 20 years. I mean, you know, and all of a sudden, unfortunately, you know, lightning strikes in the bottle and, you know, they have a stroke, they have whatever. And then all of a sudden they go to try to reap some of these benefits that they thought that they were just going to be able to rely upon at some point if that point ever came. Well, then that point comes and then nothing. How 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 does that happen? How they, can they even get away with that? I don't get it.
7: So typically, the what they rest on for you know the reasoning for denying those types of claims are going to be the terms and the policy that govern those those mm. claims. So one of the big things that they like to throw at um, claimants is going to be that they have discretionary authority to decide how to administer those claims. So whether or not the claim is denied, how long it's going to be payable, or you know what benefits that they're going to be able to receive, mm. the insurance company retains the authority, the discretionary authority, meaning that them slowly they Mm. solely get to determine whether or not it's payable or not or how long so it's so at the at the administrative phase that's just what it is you just you're at the mercy of the insurance company so
0: when you sign up and they sell you on this plan that Mm -hmm. gives you all of these wonderful things that you just think oh this is great you know if anything happens man I'm covered
7: That's what they want you to think. (laughs)
0: Yes, right. That's what it sounds like. It's like, okay, you can think you're covered, but let something happen. We'll be the decider of how. That's right. (laughs) Really? That is crazy. That is absolutely crazy.
7: Even with yourself, if you're going to do these claims on your own, you have to keep fighting because the insurance companies bank on people giving up. See, now that's what I was going to ask you. Is
0: that part of the game where they just give you enough stalling tactics and things, they figure you'll give up and go away, but if you stick in there enough?
7: Yes, that's, okay. that's absolutely one of the biggest issues. Mm. Most people don't even realize that they have as many benefits available to them mm. as they do. Um, and even when they do, most people don't hire an attorney and they do it incorrectly. They break deadlines. They, they miss important steps in the procedure that they have to fulfill to receive the benefits or at least get the ball in the right direction. Mm. Um, and then beyond that, when they're denied, a lot of people even if they have an attorney, they don't get the right type of attorney who, okay. who not only does it correctly, but continues to pursue the claim after it's denied initially.
0: Yeah. Cause I can only imagine an attorney is not an attorney is not an attorney. I mean, yeah. you can't get your cousin's brother, sister's, you know, friend, yeah. you know, who, you know, is in real estate law. Right. You know? You're
7: absolutely right. Gotcha.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. Let me ask you this. What are some of the things that you come across when you Get a new client and you say, ooh, I wish you had done this or I wish you knew that or what are some of those after the fact things that you often find that you wish you could have told someone or warned someone earlier?
7: So one one of the main well some of the main things truly are documentation of what's going on in your cases is, is absolutely key mm-hmm. so if you know if you continue to see a doctor if you continue to see a specialist or a therapist who's going to document your treatment and what the course of treatment should be you know outside of what the insurance company is willing to pay for, that's important because you need as much evidence in the mm-hmm. in the administrative record to show that, you know, this is necessary and this is reasonable for mm-hmm. what your are is. And this is, is.
0: why. Yeah. 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 sure. So, mm-hmm.
7: and that will support it. And, and, and the other big thing is that as soon as you get a denial, don't sit on it. You know, take it to somebody. If, if you're going to appeal that denial, you need to appeal it as soon as possible. Don't mm-hmm. sit on it. Take it to an attorney to have them look at it. Take it to somebody who can put you in the right direction. Mm
2: -hmm. A lot of
7: times we get people who have, you know, not done anything about a denial letter for, you know, months at a time. Mm. By the time that, when the time comes that the deadline is approaching, and these are hard and fast denials, especially when they're under the ERISA regulations, which is a, a federal... Um, set of regulations, it's pretty strict and Mm. and most often unfavorable to the claimants, Mm. at least in in terms of versus the insurance companies. Um, Hard and fast deadlines, if people are not, you know, adhering to those deadlines, they're giving up their rights and Mm. rights to enforce those claims. So if you get a denial, take it to an attorney or take it to somebody and appeal that when you get the chance and appeal it in the right way. So, Make sure you do that, yeah. and you won't have problems down the line.
0: Sure. What type of attorney should people be looking for? Like, you know, stroke survivors that are listening right now who maybe are dealing with whatever kind of insurance nonsense they're dealing with. Um, do they just try to find just any disability lawyer? Is there any particular kind of disability lawyer that they should be trying to look for?
7: So it depends on what what type of claim you're wanting to make so if you're looking for you know accommodations in the workplace probably some type of employment disability attorney Mm -hmm. if you're looking for uh, you know benefit claims assistance so like VA claims or like somebody in in the workforce that has a has a disability and they're trying to get a benefit claim based on a long-term or short-term disability it would be somebody at my firm I mean, there really are a number of different attorneys that can handle various things. So it really depends on what you're looking to accomplish. But um, we're happy to talk to whoever to help you sure. figure that out.
0: Sure. And let's give some of that information out because um, you're kind of a unique uh, law firm mm-hmm. where while you're based in Houston, you have the ability to be able to help everyone around the United States. You, you can basically practice law in any of the 50 states, correct? Yes, that's okay. correct. Super, yeah. super. Um, can we give out some of that information Absolutely. where people would call or anything Please, like that?
7: yeah. So our uh, firm name is Mark Whitehead and Associates. Mark Again, with a C. Yes, mm-hmm. Mark with a C, M-A-R-C, Whitehead and Associates. My name is Brittany McDonald. Um, phone number you can call in 713-228-8888 and we have a number of people that will be happy to speak with you a great intake team that's trained in the ways to you know, spot and understand what these people are talking about when they've got different claims and, and issues right. um, the attorney you know there's a handful of attorneys there and we're all happy to speak with you as well and a, a massive paralegal team but uh, just some of the kindest people that oh, that's you've ever
0: awesome. met <laughs> that is awesome because you know when you're when you're sick and feeling under the weather and you're feeling crappy you know the last thing you need is to have to jump through these kind of hoops of fire and then when you do you know you you can't do it on your own and you know it's great that you know there's good professional people like you guys that can kind of help us through all that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff because that's right it's bad enough when you're sick as it is you don't want to have to deal with especially you don't have to deal with who you thought was going to be on your team. You know, <laughs> your insurance yeah. company. You wouldn't think you have to fight your own team members. So, this is great, Brittany. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, everybody listening, will make sure to have um, the information on the strokechannel.tv TV website and some links there, so that you'd be able to find Brittany and all of her associates easily and things like that. Definitely reach out to them and. Um, You know, get some help and some guidance, you guys. So, Brittany, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been
7: my pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: Awesome, awesome. Everybody sit tight, and we will have more from here at the Abilities Expo in Houston, Texas, coming up right after this. Hey, this is Christopher Ewing with a Life After Stroke health tip. So, if you're a stroke survivor, then I'm sure you know the exact date that you had your stroke, maybe even right down to the exact hour and minute. We're often asked by doctors, therapists, and even loved ones, so when did you have your stroke? So that makes the date kind of hard to forget. But do you know the date when you started to show signs of recovery, like when you were first able to move your leg again or your arm? The times when your brain and body start to show signs of improvement following a stroke are even more important than the day you had your stroke because these are the times when your body is showing you signs that it is actually healing, and it is also a sign that all of your hard work and therapy is paying off. And those times should be celebrated. I call these moments milestones. And one thing I do that I'd like for you to do is to have a milestone journal where you keep track of all the breakthroughs that happen along your journey towards recovery. For instance, in my milestone journal, while it says April 21st, 2018 is when I had my stroke, I can see that it was May 4th, 2018 when my ankle first started to move again. May 9th when I could close my fingers for the first time. May 23rd when I was able to take a few steps on my own unassisted as I was learning to walk again, and so on. It's very easy for us to remember the one terrible day that we had our stroke, but what about all of the awesome days when we noticed signs that we were actually healing and getting better? So here's what I'd like you to do. Just get a notebook, or I happen to use the Notes app on my phone, and whenever you make a special accomplishment in your recovery, just jot it down, making note of the date, the time where you were who was with you and anything else you want to make note of about that special moment it's really cool to every now and then just look back and read about some of the breakthroughs or the milestones that you have reached on your road towards recovery from your stroke we can spend time being bummed about the loss of ability or we can spend time celebrating the recovery of those abilities as they happen i say let's celebrate our recovery and all of the milestones along the way And if you have a recovery milestone, write us and tell us about it. Just send me an email to mail at thestrokechannel.tv. That's mail at thestrokechannel.tv. And congratulations on your milestones. I'm Christopher Ewing, and this has been a Life After Stroke health tip. Hey everybody, welcome back to Life After Stroke. I'm Christopher Ewing. Today we're broadcasting from the Abilities Expo in Houston, Texas. And with me right now is a young lady by the name of Emily Young, and she is a recreational therapist. You know, you oftentimes hear about PTs and OTs and STs, physical therapists and occupational therapists and speech therapists, but you may not very often hear about recreational therapists, and I certainly remember them well, have a very fond memory, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you look at it. When I was in uh, the rehab hospital back in California, I had a recreational therapist, and I really think, I mean, so underappreciated and so understated recreational therapists because it made such a difference. Um, So anyway, we're here with Emily Young, and you can say hi to everyone around the world.
1: Hi. (laughs) Thank you guys for having me.
0: Absolutely. Well, thanks for hanging out and taking some time. Um, Tell everyone who's listening a little bit about what a recreational therapist does.
1: So we look a little bit different depending on the setting that we're in, uh, but we're essentially using recreation as our treatment. Um, And so for some people, it is as simple as getting fresh air outside when they've been acutely injured. Um, from either a stroke or spinal cord injury, brain injury, um, and they've been cooped up in a hospital. Um, So we have kind of the freedom to just look at the basics and get the patient outside. And and then it progresses to more elaborately looking at how people can return to their recreation or leisure lifestyle, whatever that hobby or, or passion is.
0: Right, right give everyone a little bit of an idea of what some of the activities that a recreational therapist may do with a patient.
1: Okay. So um, again, kind of depending on where you're at in your uh, stage of recovery, um, really just looking at how to cope with what has just happened. Mm -hmm. Um, And and our first priority is looking at how we can get you back to feeling like yourself. Mm. Um, So sometimes it's bringing little pieces of you back into your life uh maybe starting at music or Mm -hmm. um your favorite movie or trying to coordinate having some friends and family visit you right um and then progressing to how we can tie those into your rehabilitation um so in the rehab hospital we keep um a lot of sports activities we keep knitting supplies art right. supplies so that we can just pack it up in a cart and, sure, and bring sure. it up to your room
0: and you know emily it really seems like that is so vital because there's already so much change that's <laughs> happened in your life you know and many times you know that change could be so significant that kind of there goes one of your favorite activities or one of your favorite sports or one of your favorite things that you would do on a day-to-day basis you know that you can certainly kind of cut off at the at the pass and and try to get back together like you said knitting you know things like that i mean now, while obviously you know my activity was riding horses so i can't bring a horse into the hospital but at the same time i can think of all kinds of activities that would even in that case even if you're doing something that's totally not even able to be done under the same roof you can you personally can at least really help them stay in shape. Mm -hmm. So that that transition, once they leave the hospital and head back home, they're as close to and as good of in shape to kind of pick up where they left off. You know what I mean?
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, What can a caregiver do or even someone who maybe is kind of, you know, living, able to live on their own? What are some of the recreational activities that they can do now? Um, kind of post-stroke, you know, maybe they're trying to get strong again or something like that. Maybe a caregiver can help them. What are some of the activities that you would suggest they do at home?
1: Um, Specifically for stroke and and just, and the other thing about recreational activities is they tend to be more motivating um, Mm. for physical strengthening activities. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I would recommend yard games. They're very popular now. Hmm. Um, you can buy um, smaller versions of the big cornhole with the wooden oh, yeah, platform sure, and sure. the bean bags. Um, I recommend that. Horseshoes. Wow.
0: Um, yeah. That could help get back return. Mm-hmm. You know, Use your affected <coughs> side. and. Wow. Sure.
1: Absolutely. So as far as general activity supplies go, I really recommend... Those yard games and any board games. Um, Mm -hmm. And then from there, you kind of get a platform where you can start building and and looking at what you like specifically. And and if it's something that's more elaborate, like riding horses, you kind of break down the activity in steps. So I would have maybe brought some ropes up sure. to your room or mm. I would have we've taken patients from the hospital to a nearby um, barn. Right. So that you can get wow. the feel of pushing a wheelchair on the gravel that you're going to be pushing on when you get wow. home if you are still in a wheelchair.
0: Oh my gosh. I, You know, I never even thought of any of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know everybody listening who listens all the time you know how I feel about these therapists and I just met Emily like literally like a half hour ago and I've already given her my my rant and my blessing on how I feel about therapists like her, and I'm gonna do it again, Emily. just thank you. I mean, you know again, you may never know the impact that you're making on people that you help, and I hope that you never really understand because it would require you to you know be in their shoes you know in that kind of way, and I don't ever want anybody to ever have to have a stroke or anything like that, but you know. As people have heard me say before, and as I said to you earlier, we had to have a stroke for whatever reason. You did not have to become a therapist. You really didn't. And, you know, the, the impact and the help that you have brought to people that you may already know the, the impact you've made, you may never know. But I can certainly tell you that just thank you for your, your selflessness, because you were helping people at their most helpless state. And it's that time that we need people like you who are their most selfless to help us know get off our tail and get out there and stay strong and keep doing it to make a really crappy situation a little bit better especially as we're trying to get back on our feet and get back on our horse or whatever it is you know mm-hmm. we need people like you to help us do it and you're doing it and i just really thank you so much
1: absolutely so, i appreciate that and it's you know it's a privilege for me to get to see people Um, Get back in touch with who they are in whatever way that looks like. And it's been, you know, it's fun for me to learn new hobbies. I get to learn all sorts of things that I never would have (laughs) done before, just getting to know people that have unique needs.
0: Absolutely. Well, I tell you, if you're ever out in Los Angeles, you come on out and put you on a horse. All right. (laughs) You You know, before we go, um, give people a little bit of homework. Just kind of, you know, something that, an activity that you want them to try to do today. You know, something they could just easily do.
1: Sure. Um, I, I'd recommend maybe uh, a big one for me, and I, it's going to sound very simple, is just get some fresh air today and, mm. and get outside. It's, um, it's easy to overlook the little things. And um, like I mentioned before, that's one of the highest priorities for me when I first meet somebody mm. in the hospital, and I think that that is a high-priority priority when you're out of the hospital and at home just getting out uh, of your room and getting out of bed and getting some fresh air. So.
0: You know, what you guys, Emily just tipped her hand. That's how you know this girl knows what she's talking about. How many times on this show have we had people on, special guests who say that if you're a stroke survivor, get off your tail and get out of the house because so many of us want to get homebound. You know, we, want, we don't want to be a hassle because You know, now we walk a little slower. We don't move as well. Our balance is bad. So therefore, I'm just going to sit here and stay in the wheelchair or stay in bed. And that's like the last thing you need to do, number one. Mm -hmm. So Emily has now joined that list of guests we've had on this show that are telling you guys who are guilty of this, who are afraid to go out of the house, that you don't want to impose on somebody because you need a ride or you need someone to help you up the steps or down the steps, you know, do it people love you they want to help you and emily is yet another person who's telling you guys if you're guilty of just not wanting to rock the boat or impose on anybody's time just do it they wouldn't be your friend or loved one if they didn't want to help you number one number two this is what's going to help you guys get as much return as you possibly can by getting out getting some fresh air even if it's just walking down to the corner and back you know do that just do that all right so anyway emily thank you so much for coming on the show it's really great meeting you
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.
0: Absolutely. And everybody sit tight. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Christopher Ewing. And if you live in the San Mateo area, don't miss the 2019 Abilities Expo, October 25th through the 27th in San Mateo, California. The Abilities Expo is a nationwide trade show dedicated to highlighting products geared to those who may have a physical disability or motor function impairment. Abilities Expo brings exhibitors from around the world all under one roof, allowing visitors to see up close some of the wonderful products that are out there that can help make life easier. Admission to the Abilities Expo is free, and the Life After Stroke radio show will be broadcasting throughout the entire weekend from the StrokeChannel.tv booth, so be sure to stop by and say hi. I'd love to meet you guys. And if you live outside of the San Mateo area, the Abilities Expo is held all across the country. So chances are it'll be coming to a city near you. So just go to www.abilities.com for upcoming expo dates and for more information. And I look forward to meeting you at the upcoming Abilities Expo, October 25th through the 27th in San Mateo, California. hey everybody welcome back to life after stroke i'm christopher ewing today we're broadcasting from the abilities expo here in houston texas and with us right now is a young lady by the name of hannah she is 18 years old and she had a stroke and had it in her mother's womb
6: And we have too.
0: you had two strokes one in the womb and then another one you came out yeah so it wasn't enough to have just one, you had to go and have two.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Amazing. Talk a little bit about that. How did they explain to you that that happened?
1: I kind of do when you don't to I see. That my brain has a little pop.
0: Right.
6: That's bad. right.
0: That's bad. So you had a little pop in your brain when you were in, in the, the womb? womb uh huh. And then when you came out, you had another one. It's just absolutely (coughs) amazing. And I'd heard that that was possible. Ironically enough, uh, everybody knows that listens, you know, a reporter and a producer on television and stuff like that. And I'd done an interview with a doctor at a big rehab hospital in um, Nebraska. And they had talked about how babies in the womb have strokes and stuff like that. And I was just amazed by that. And you're actually the first person I've ever met that uh, has had one. And your recovery from it is just amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean everything works great and looks great and stuff like that um and how has it been like through the years was there a lot of um uh, uh, extra rehab that you needed to do like at the walking phase when you were a baby and stuff like that
3: walking in talking mm-hmm. inside
0: my place too. i see wow so amazing how cool is that And mom is over here, just the proud mom with a big smile. We're gonna get you on the microphone in a minute. Don't think you're, yeah, she's even waving you over. Come and say something, absolutely. Hi. So this is Hannah's mom, Jennifer. And I mean, Hannah is just a beautiful young lady and I'm so happy for her recovery and her progress and stuff like that. Um, When she was born and the doctors told you that she had had a stroke in your womb, I mean, how did they know this? How did they find this out? I mean
8: ultrasounds before she was born oh, about a week okay. before she was born she stopped um it wasn't normal movements it mm-hmm. was almost like tremors I instead see. of regular movements and i knew something wasn't quite right so they did ultrasounds and they noticed an area of the brain that they said that she had had a stroke to where it was kind of like it was a pop in there and the blood had kind of spilled around
0: wow so it's kind of like a hemorrhagic stroke mm-hmm, in the p- mm-hmm. I, welcome to that i told you i'm the black sheep of your family <laughs> i told you you and i were related one hemorrhagic stroke survivor to another. And so when she was born, mm-hmm. obviously, I guess everybody was kind of on red alert at that point. Mm-hmm.
8: Yeah, we we all knew something, and she came early. Mm-hmm. She was a little over five weeks early, okay. and she was still big. She was mm-hmm. 7'10". She mm-hmm. was a... Uh, A little porker (laughs) but um, we knew and there was she had posturing when Mm -hmm. she was born there was some different things Uh, definitely one side of her body was more affected than the other Mm -hmm. and uh, she had vision issues Mm -hmm. Uh, The actually the ophthalmologist thought she had cortical blindness Mm -hmm. but it ended up it was the area of the brain that was affected Mm -hmm. that caused a delay for reactions I see and stuff Why? so yeah lots of therapies <laughs> yeah
0: but you know it's amazing isn't it i mean the recovery mm-hmm. i mean you know we're on the radio so you guys you know can't see this obviously but i mean she's about as normal and as cool as they get i mean it's just so <laughs> good. she's giving thumbs up with this big <laughs> smile oh my gosh okay she's a
8: happy girl everybody
0: that listens <laughs> knows i'm a crier and <laughs> I, I knew i was gonna i was trying to fight it wow. i mean i'm so proud of you and so happy for Three you, you, you know, i'm allowed to cry can i cry <laughs> It's okay if i cry um, I'm just so happy for you and, and, and you know one of the other things that you know I kind of want to address you know I guess she was homeschooled mm-hmm. um and because there was you know gotta love the bullies in the world um you know I, I, I don't get it I mean it's just it's ridiculous first and foremost I mean it's just totally ridiculous oh yeah um number two I mean you're just as awesome as awesome could be so as I told you haters make it greater um Talk a little bit to other young listeners who may be dealing with the same kind of stuff. You know, I mean, as if it's not enough to have to deal with, you know, recovering from something that you got to now deal with some nonsense at school, you know, with some pseudo friends, you know, people that you thought were a friend and aren't or whatever. Um, But, you know, you weathered it and, and did your thing. Talk a little bit about that. Give them a little bit of. Of insight as to how best to kind of deal with some of that.
6: In yeah, all of the burlies, talk to your good friends. Mm-hmm.
7: Yeah, so she to her
0: friends. Right, she turned to her friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mostly talk to my mom. Yeah, hey. hey, I'm a lot older than you and I still need my mama. We are. <laughs> You're never too old for your mom, you know? Yeah. That's kind of what moms are for, you know?
6: And I always talk to my brother too.
0: You always talk to your brother too, yeah. And you know, I've known you guys for all of like a half hour, forty-five minutes, <laughs> and you just have these great smiles and this great personality. And I can already tell, you know, that you are in great hands, because your mom, your mom is an awesome mom. She raised you right, an and, and uh, mom. yeah. And, and well, I just, I've just awesome. always
8: wanted her to understand that. Yes, she's different, Mm -hmm. but that makes her unique.
0: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You don't
8: want to be like everybody else. There you go. And the things that she has to offer can teach a lot of people a Mm -hmm. lot of things.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, one of the things that we put together is a site called youngstrokesurvivors.org. And it's, we haven't uh, built it yet. I mean, it, we've got the domain name and we're in the process of putting it together. And I would love to be able to send you an email or something, let you know once we have it all together. And maybe you could be one of the moderators on there or just, you know, one of the ones that kind of spearheads a group or just talks to some of the other young stroke yeah. survivors because there's a whole bunch of you guys out there, you know. I mean, you know, I'm quasi young and I thought, you know, when I had a stroke, I'm like, Wait a minute, I'm too young to have a stroke. I mean, you are living proof of just how young you can be you can be so young that you're not even here yet exactly. <laughs> like you're not even born and have a stroke yeah, exactly. and exactly. You know, the, and the fact that you are here and the fact that you've just got this beautiful yeah. personality and this thank great you. smile and just all this great wisdom that you can mm-hmm. show to others you know that's why you're here boo boo that's why you're here <laughs> thank you and that's why we need you you know you got a job to do out there girlfriend mm-hmm. you got a mission and uh there's a whole lot of people that need you thank so you. yeah Anyway, like I'm plan. I'm just so glad to meet you guys. Thank you so much for coming yeah, by it's the been booth. Great to meet you. Absolutely, absolutely. Everybody listening, uh, sit tight, and we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, this is Christopher Ewing from Life After Stroke, and there is something new we're launching that we are very excited about. We are launching the Life After Stroke online support group. This is a weekly support group that is held online for those who don't have access to a support group in their area or who are unable to attend a support group because of physical limitations. The group meets each week online at www.thestrokechannel.tv or on the strokechannel.tv app. And is open to stroke survivors as well as caregivers. For more information and to sign up to be a part of this really cool online support group, just go to www.thestrokechannel.tv. That's thestrokechannel.tv, and I'll see you soon during the Life After Stroke online support group hey everybody welcome back to life after stroke i'm christopher ewing today we're broadcasting from the abilities expo in houston texas and with us right now is devin hull and he's part of a really cool organization that deals with kids who uh, either have uh, cerebral palsy stroke or traumatic brain injury and gets them out on the field and playing soccer and all kinds of stuff like that uh devin say hello to everybody
2: around the world and
0: uh tell them a little bit about this really great organization
2: sure thanks for having me on um We started this program last year here in Houston. It's a grassroots organization that was originally started with with the first location in New York, New Jersey, by two gentlemen, uh, Ashley Hammond and Eli Hallowell, who's both their children have had strokes at some point in time in their life. And we got involved with it because my son, who is now 16, had been, uh, he had a stroke at birth, Mm. and when uh, he Grew up, we told ourselves we'd do whatever we could to help keep him as competitive or in, in life as we could. Mm-hmm. And um, so, why aren't you? just started coaching soccer with him? Yeah. And so, about um, about four years ago, he wanted to try out for a competitive club team, and he did. He tried out for what was uh, called Space City Soccer here in Houston, which is now um, Houston Dynamo Dash Youth Program, mm-hmm. and uh, he made that program. So he was kind of set. So about. Three years ago, my wife was following the Paralympic team online, the U.S. National Paralympic team. Mm -hmm. Uh, She was following them on Rio, and she saw this post that said, we're trying to create an identification program. Mm -hmm. And so uh, my wife emailed the coach. The email coach uh, emailed us back. He said, send us a video of doing three or four things. Uh, two weeks later, he got an uh, invitation to go to the Olympic training facility uh, at Chula Vista in California. Oh, very cool. And uh, so, at 13 years old, <laughs> we put him on a plane by himself. And, oh, wow. And that's how his journey <laughs> kind of <laughs> started. Good for he him. got called up to a couple of other camps. Um, one of them was in Chula Vista, and then there was one at Clemson University. And Clemson has a tie in because Clemson has the first Paralympic collegiate program. Mm-hmm. And so. Uh, uh, Mother's Day last year, he got an invitation uh, to join the U.S. team in a, in a tournament in Barcelona. Mm-hmm. And when we were coming back on the trip, we went to go watch him. Uh, and when we were coming back, we told ourselves we were going to start this local chapter of CP soccer that, that Ashley and Levi, uh, Eli had started in, uh, in New York, New Jersey. And so uh, uh, at the Ability Expo last year, my wife and I walked the, the floor, and we handed out flyers, and mm-hmm. uh, it was neat today to actually have people recognize me and the logo mm-hmm. and say, oh, wow, you know, it's this is a great thing. And we're referring kids to you, and we found a, um, a 25 kids last year, and, uh, you know, based on the on the, on the current of ambulatory stroke, we think mm-hmm. we can find anywhere from, from 75 to 100 kids wow. in the Houston area. Right. We started with our first location um, in the Woodlands and our coach, who is Keith Johnson, he has uh, over 100 appearances for the U.S. National Paralympic mm-hmm. team and he's he's our lead trainer and he teamed up with his uh, Club, which is also Gabriel's Club, mm-hmm. and uh, they embraced us and they took us on, and and we we just really had great success. We ha- found some great partners with uh, w- with the, the club, and uh, we got a, a grant from an organization called Good Sports. Mm-hmm. So we had a lot of equipment donated uh, mm-hmm. for us and. Uh, We're adding a second location here here in Houston. So we'll have a second location. The Woodlands is in in the north part of the city. Mm -hmm. And uh, the south part of the city is going to be in the Clear Lake area. How cool is that? So it's been neat. It's been really rewarding to see these kids develop. And you can see them from the first day of practice when they were actually uh, doing their first uh, exercises and how they progressed from the standpoint of by by season end. Their balance increased dramatically so it's uh, the best physical therapy is th- physical uh, physical therapy you don't really know you're doing yes for a right kid exactly you know, so. well
0: that's what i was going to ask you too is what kind of return have you seen you know in their function uh, you know from start to finish and it's great that you you're able to see that type of thing yeah right?
2: absolutely and in the, mm. the we partnered with a lot of physical therapists in the area and they're sending us kids because wow, they recognize sure, the trial. It's a benefit Oh, yeah, it's a lot easier to get them to chase the soccer ball (laughs) than just run up and down the doctor's halls. Exactly,
0: (laughs) exactly. Oh, my gosh, Devin, that is so cool. If people want to get a hold of you guys or find out how, you know, the organization works or where some of the... The, the matches are held, you know, and stuff like that. Um, how do they get in touch with you guys?
2: So they get in touch with us through uh, the web website would be one way, which mm-hmm. is www.cpsoccer.us. Okay. So it's a little bit different, .us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can look us up on Facebook. Uh, we've got uh, locations or on Twitter. Uh, as well and so um, that's the easiest way to to find us and there will be information about uh, various things such as our uh, our camp that we have, our national camp at Clemson University. They had uh, 27 kids from all around the country mm-hmm. uh, come out. Um, uh, we went out there to to go help. My son was one of the coaches, and oh, that's so great. it was a it was a great experience. And
0: do you look for volunteers and stuff like that to help? Mm-hmm. Things yeah, we like do. That.
2: Yeah, we're using kids from uh, the club itself. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things that we're doing uh, mm-hmm. as well. And we're we we have some. You know, we're grassroots, and we do have some needs. We we could use some help with media, and we sure. could use yeah. some help with fundraising and things like that. Sure. You know, but for right now, you know, we're where we are today i we're very pleased with the, with what we've accomplished in the mm-hmm. first year and and you know I, I saw a post um from uh there's a lot of these cerebral palsy clubs in, in europe mm-hmm. and there was one post that came out on the first day of training in dublin uh, and there they had 40 people show up in wow. dublin and i'm thinking dublin's got like 2 million people we yeah. have like 7 million in houston mm-hmm. you know there's no reason for it, that we can't become one of the largest cp clubs in absolutely. the world absolutely yeah so
0: wow so cool you guys um so again their website is www.cpsoccer s-o-c-c-e-r dot u-s as in the United States and uh you can find all kinds of information for them there uh definitely look these guys up this is such a great thing I'm looking at uh of some literature that they have on the organization and it's just really really great um we'll put a link on the uh, stroke TV website uh, so you guys can kind of find them that way as well but Devin, thank you so much for stopping by man thanks. this is really great i want to give a shout out to your son what's your son's name gabriel gabriel mm-hmm. all right send him our love and tell him keep it up we're rooting for him
2: all the way from los angeles we will do thanks a lot Chris. <laughs> all right you bet you bet, you bet.
0: Well, that's it for today, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this very special edition of Life After Stroke. Again, the Abilities Expo is held all across North America, and they may be coming to a city near you. So be sure to check out their website, www.abilities.com, for their complete tour schedule and more. And until next time, remember, there is still a beautiful Life After Stroke. This has been a recorded program of an actual stroke support group. The comments expressed are the opinions of the participants and not necessarily the opinions of the producers, sponsors, or the broadcasters of this show. This program is not to be used as a way to diagnose or treat any medical condition that you may have. Please consult your doctor or healthcare professional before making any changes to your current medical routine. Life After Stroke is a production of the Hang On to the Dream Foundation, the 501c3 nonprofit organization that helps kids and adults reach their goals in life. If these Life After Stroke programs are helpful to you, please consider making a tax-deductible donation to the Hang On to the Dream Foundation to assist the organization in its numerous outreach activities. For more information, just go to www.hangontothedream.org. And remember, no matter how hard things seem, hang on to the dream.